Welcome to the Endurance Horse Podcast, where endurance riders from all across the globe gather, sharing their stories, goals, and progress as they train for and compete in endurance events at every level. So kick off your shoes, pull up a chair, and listen as we gather around the virtual campfire and listen to friends from across the world. Hello, this is Chris, and welcome to episode nine of the Endurance Horse Podcast. And I have with me Jim. Hello. And this podcast would have been out way sooner, but I had to go to the hospital and hold his hand for a few days. And not to worry, he's feeling a lot better now. Sorry about that, but yes, she took very, very good care of me. Yeah, and then he got kind of a bonus week off of work after that. It's a horrible way to get a bonus week off of work, but I was really happy to have you home. And I was happy to be with you. So in this episode, this is all... Tavis related. Some from crew members. And some from writers. So we were really happy to get this all pulled together for you. And we'll have an update at the end. Not so much about our week off together, but um, we did pull one of our horses out and, and go for a little ride. And so we'll tell you about that. But also, while you all were out there doing the Tavis, Jim and I were up in Oshkosh at the EAA Air Adventure Show doing a 5K. Yep, so to uh, honor all you Tevis riders, uh, we weren't riding horses, but uh, we were running a 5K. <laughs> it was hot out. Poor Harlan. Jim uh, must have been inspired by all the Tevis riders because he took off like um, Justify out the starting gate and that wasn't in the ride or running plan. <laughs> so it was a couple minutes before he looked back and realized Harlan and I were dragging behind him. I was running all alone. Yeah, and then he stops and starts running back. Doesn't stop, starts running backwards going, do you guys need to walk? (laughs) It was fun. It was fun, yeah. And um, I had not really been to an air show before, and that was amazing. And um, it's, it's kind of like a ride camp, except where all the tents are, and there would normally be horses there's airplanes from all over the world. And hot air balloons. Yeah, and hot air balloons. And um, so that was just an amazing thing. So thanks for taking me. Absolutely. And uh, I love these Tevis stories. Uh, and uh, it's just awesome to hear what you guys are going through out there. I think one of my favorite things is to hear um, the friendships that people made and how people came together and helped each other. and honestly got me a little teary-eyed a couple of times just seeing how people support each other oh yeah you were uh, showing me from your uh, facebook page how you know people from the uh, podcast here were getting together and grouping up and saying hi to one another that was pretty awesome that was special so without further ado i bring to you episode nine of the endurance horse podcast Hi everyone, this is Erin Glassman. I'm back with a little bit more about my Tevis adventure from 2018. After our time was up at Forest Hill, I was planning to meet Charlie over by the Outtimer. We got not the greatest review from the vet when we came into the um, hold. 
Uh, he said that she looked dry. However, she had had just like a really nice drink out on the trail a couple different times at some of the water tanks that were in place for us out on the trail. So I wasn't super worried. When we went through the hold, she ate like crazy. She was really digging in and she looked a lot better. Um, her cap refill and her skin tinting was a little bit slow like when we first got into the vet hold and the vet said if she looks like this on the end of the vet hold don't go out so what we decided to do was go ahead and um, have the vets look at her right before we went out and uh, this time it was a different vet uh, I can't remember his name but he was super nice and I really liked him um, anyways we went over there and he looked her over and he says well, did she feel strong when you were out on the trail? And I said, well, yeah, she did. And he said, well, what I'm seeing here is not any different from what the other horses are looking like. So if she felt strong, then I'd go. And if she doesn't, then I'd stay. And so we elected to go ahead and go. Um, Charlie was waiting there for me, my friend Charlie, uh, the Australian, who was out for his first buckle. So we went out. When we left Forest Hill, we caught in with a group of young ladies. Uh, some of them, if not all of them, were uh, Chuck Stolle's daughters, so we figured we were in good hands in terms of uh, where we needed to go on the trail. So we went ahead and followed them for a while. They kept a pretty good pace, and so to keep up with them, we were moving out quite a bit. And so um, this was on Cal 2, or on the California Loop, and so... Um, we kept moving forward. I didn't like that she wasn't drinking, however. So what I did is thought to myself, knowing that there was water at Cal 2, which was the next spot on the trail about 10 miles out, that if she didn't drink there, I was going to stop and reevaluate. Sometimes she kind of hesitated on the trail a little bit, and I, I just didn't have a nice feeling about how she was feeling at that point so I was getting a little bit worried there were a couple of points in time where I thought maybe I should have just pulled and gone back to camp and um, I decided ultimately to keep moving forward and and see where we were when we got at Cal 2 so at Cal 2 we got up to the water tanks and she just didn't drink um, that concerned me uh, so I, I decided that we were going to stay until she drank and that didn't matter whether it was 10 minutes or 10 hours I, I was going to go ahead and um, make sure she was she was doing well um, I needed to do what was best for Rio not what was best for my completion record so she would eat wet alfalfa out of my hand initially and then she started eating it off the top of the water in the tank so she ate and ate which I I really enjoyed and thought that was great um, and so we just stayed there for a while so um, a while probably being I didn't really watch the time but maybe 20 minutes or so and then I asked the volunteers there that um, that were hanging around I, I asked them if it was probably not a good spot to get trailered out of and they said that no if you could avoid it Cal 2 was not a good spot to get trailered out of. So my plan was that I would walk over to Francisco's, which was just another seven and a half miles or seven miles, something like that. And um, 
we just take our time and do what Rio needed to do. She didn't feel like she was just going to go out on me or anything like that, but she just felt um, not not super energetic. So we walked, and we walked, and people passed us, and I told them, go ahead, you know, when we can, um, because um, I uh, was just going to do what she needed to do, and I felt good that when we got to Francisco's, there would be vets there. That would be good. It was a better spot to trailer out of if we needed it. And so, um, that was the plan. Well, we kept going and after a little while, she kind of started perking up and started wanting to trot on her own. So I let her, um, we were pretty much by ourselves in the dark on this portion. And, um, you know, we just, we didn't have the headlamp on. All we had were the glow sticks and the moon. And I could see just fine, um, just enough anyways. And so we pick up the trot a little bit and keep going. And um, we got to some water tanks, which were about three and a half miles in. And she drank really good, which made me very happy and made me feel a lot better. I got to looking at my watch and I noted the cutoff time was within reach of us getting there if, if we if we kept moving and so we did and we just kept trotting forward and we just kept moving forward and um, I kept looking at my watch we were still within range um, and we were a good deal ahead of range actually in terms of the cutoff time so that was good and so um, we kept trotting for what seemed like three million miles not three miles and we finally got to Francisco's and we had I think 15 to 20 minutes before cutoff time so we had a good good um, frame of time and she pulsed right down she ate like a pig there I saw uh, my friend Laura my friend Elizabeth and my friend Karen there and um, they were they were all volunteering there Elizabeth runs Francisco's and they got me some ginger because I was feeling a little bit queasy. Um, they also uh, gave me some watermelon and that kind of thing and, and a shot of Gatorade. And, and Rio was going to not let me take her away from the food if possible. But we didn't want to waste a whole lot of time. So once she had eaten a good deal, we just kept moving. And we kind of danced in and out with, um, I think it was the Stolly Girls again. And kept moving forward. We finally uh, got to Lower Quarry, and there she pulsed down right away again. And when I got there, I noticed that Charlie was off to the side. Um, he'd had a little bit of a hold time um, there. He was waiting for his horse to do a little bit better, and by the time I finished out of that vet check he was ready to go so we decided to finish the ride together so at this point we only had I think eight miles left so we moved out when we could um, I think we also had probably a couple hours in which to get it done and so we just kept moving any spot that we had that was pretty flat we went ahead and trotted out on um, and made good time. We came up to the Highway 49 crossing, saw our friend Gordy Ainsley in his karate suit, and said hi. Um, 
he requested that you announce his name or announce your name when when you went by so that he knew who it was because he probably wouldn't recognize us in our uh, riding gear and so um, I said hi it's Aaron and he says I've been waiting for you (laughs) Um, so we got on the trail we kept going um, past highway 49 you climb up a fairly steep trail up into some woods and that goes on a little ways and then you reach no hands bridge down there um, we had several people waiting Uh, I think it was mostly Charlie's crew I might have had Todd there that part's a little sketchy in in my memory Um, I'll have to ask him to verify but it was kind of energizing because we had this whole group of people cheering us on and we only had four miles left to go we crossed the bridge and in that segment of the trail there are some really good spots to trot right up front and then you start getting getting into some up and down and so we trotted where we could and we slowed down when it got closer to time and it's around this point in time you really start recognizing what your horse has done for you she wouldn't have done that all by herself and it's pretty amazing um to know that she did it and she's feeling good and she's moving forward and she knows where she's going Uh, especially this year it felt like she really knew where she was going and another really cool part was riding there with my friend charlie and knowing that he was going to be finishing the the 100 miles this year um, with any luck at all his vet check would be fine and he also would be getting his first buckle and that was truly fantastic what a cool experience to be able to be there with him when he did that and uh, I think the friendships you make through this sport are probably more intense and wonderful and special than any of the friendships that I've ever made in my life. This is one that will always be very, very special to me, that we could share that moment. And uh, I hope to have many more experiences uh, with Charlie and Leanne throughout the rest of our lives. More adventure, more horse time, more life. Anyway, we crossed the finish line at 5.01, and we did it. We We hiked over to McCann um, and met our crews, got pulsed down right away for Rio and and fed it in and, and they said we were good to go. We got our second buckle. Charlie also got his buckle. He passed his vet check just fine and I couldn't have been prouder and we got to do our victory lap together which was so much fun <laughs> and us wild things are riding through this stadium and then take off after the finish line and <laughs> start loping around <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> it was so much fun but uh anyways that's um that's the wrap up of the 2018 ride for me I'm also going to probably do one more recording um talking about the ride home and maybe some lessons that I learned thank you hi everybody Jenny Chandler here it's 24 hours since I got into bed 
after Tevis. It's six in the morning. Yesterday morning, 24 hours ago, I was just getting into bed, having been awake for, oh, 27 hours. Most of that spent on a horse. Wow, Tevis. So much to talk to you guys about, about how it went down, but also about the little things, meeting up with podcasters. We didn't get to meet all of the all of the podcasters who were there, but catching up with Keisha and Doris in particular. You know, you guys are friends now, tough ladies. Keisha, your smiling face at the at the holds. Just awesome. You know, you guys are amazing. My voice is a little croaky today. California is is burning and there's the sky is hazy and my throat's not really loving it. And all those horses doing that ride in that atmosphere with that smoke on top of everything else. Yeah, just incredible. So a few reflections. The track, wow, you know, 100 miles in one direction, not having to go around in circles. And in spite of the smoke, the views, you know, I was riding early on in the ride, you're up on the top of score and just looking at the trail, you know, you're riding along, there's not so many trees up there and there's just these flowers, all the ground cover, <coughs> small annual plants that are just beautiful and there's just horses all trotting along in a line. Amazing. And then, you know, one of the really incredible things about Tevis is the volunteers. There are about 800 volunteers that help run this ride and every stop, every vet check, you know, most of them you don't have your crew with you and there's just these people there. <coughs> they come rushing up. <coughs> oh, sorry. They come rushing up to help. Can I do anything? Oh, could you fill my water bottles? Sure, they take them off. They fill your water bottles. There are people there with heart rate monitors, checking your heart rate, people putting sponges on your horse, cooling your horse for you, making sure it has food. They, you just As you come into the, into the base, into each hold, no, they're not holds, they're vet gates. What is it? Gate, gate and go. You come in, they're there. What do you want me to do? <clears throat> I want my horse to eat. I want her to be cooled down. Can we check her heart rate? Bang, bang, bang. They're all there running around. You feel like God. It's just amazing. You know, as they say, one of the hardest endurance, the hardest endurance ride, the hardest hundred miler there is, and yet you could do it without crew because of the awesome volunteers. And then, you know, you're riding, you're riding all day. It gets dark. You keep riding. And time, time is meaningless. You've got to look at your watch and it's like, it's midnight. Oh, well, you know, that's good. I've got five hours to go. I've been riding, how long at that point? Seven, oh, I don't know. What's five o'clock in the morning till midnight? That's a ridiculous amount of time. What else? What else? There's so much. My awesome little horse, such a tough girl, Philoet. Generous. I mean, all the horses, how much do they give us, Right. They're just amazing, and Philoet's right up there with all the rest. Amazing horses, our endurance ponies. Um, yeah, getting a bit emotional now because it's such a journey. So I'll probably stop, and my voice as you hear isn't working that well, so I'll catch you again soon. Bye.
Hello, my name is Whitney. I live in Orville, California. Our regular weather is in the triple digits. That is our summer. So for heat training, we roll the windows down in our vehicles and we turn off the air conditioner and we run our errands and sweat. My horse is 20 years old. His name is R Aqua V. He's an Arabian and this was his first time to do the Tevis. I got him six years ago. He was halter broke, but not by much and didn't have much for manners, but he really was a nice horse. So I started riding him. The more I rode him, the more I liked him. But the problem was he's a stallion and although he's very well mannered, there aren't very many things you can do with a stallion. We got kicked out of everything due to insurance. So I either had my choice of showing or endurance. And I'm a rider. I like to ride. So endurance was it. I think my first endurance saddle was a barrel saddle with the saddle horn cut off. But we found some folks brave enough to ride with a stallion and away we went. And we were ready in 2015. But unfortunately, my horse was diagnosed with eye cancer and had to have eye surgery at UC Davis. So while he had eye surgery and recovered, I was diagnosed with autoimmune Hashimoto's. So that slowed us down a bit in 2015, but we rallied and hit the scene in 2016, which was a total blessing because AERC had started a new program called Rookie of the Year that year. And I think it was like $10. So we paid the $10 or whatever it was fee and we hit the Whiskey Town Chaser for our first 50 and we rode our butts off. And by the end of the year, we took Rookie of the Year. And Specialized Saddle had donated an absolutely stunning saddle to the winner, so he won the saddle. We also made the Jim Jones list, which is amazing. My horse was so fit that year. But unfortunately, we were about 50 miles short from the required miles for Tevis. So that wasn't to be our year. So we came back hard the next year. We we're going to do Tevis. I was so excited. At Wild West, which was our ride before Tevis, my horse fell in a hole and went down on his front end and he hyperextended a knee. And because he's old, I felt like he probably needed more time off than the average horse. So we took the rest of the year off and we came back this year. We started with Cash Creek and then we did Wild West, and then we did LaGrange, and then we actually went to Tevis Trail, and we did the canyons. We rode from Robinson's Flat all the way to Forest Hill in the middle of the day, in the heat of the day. So I kind of felt like I was really prepared because we killed those canyons that day. My horse passed everybody. He didn't have to wait or stop for a breather. We came into Forest Hill so strong. Oh, that's hilarious because Tevis Day, there was 30 miles in front of those canyons. 30 hard miles in front of those canyons with boulders and switchbacks and hills. And and he it wasn't the same. Absolutely wore him out in the canyons. That is the toughest ride. When we started, the start was so fast that he didn't get a drink. 
And by the time we hit the trail, the first bit of trail, all the drinks are on trail. So I would get out in front pretty good, but that only gave them about 10 gulps before the next horses were coming up behind. And then we would be on trail, so I would pull his head up and continue on. So by the time we got into Robinson's Flat, Tevis Day... He was a little bit dehydrated and pretty damn thirsty, and he wasn't sure if he wanted to drink or not. He didn't drink very good at that check, and I was pretty sure we were going to get pulled. When we pulled out of Robinson's Flat, if you go about a quarter mile up the road, there's a mud puddle from a stream that comes off the side of the hill. He drank about that whole mud puddle. He thought we were done at Robinson's Flat because the furthest he'd ever been was a 50. So he was chilling out, and when I threw that tack back on him and we hit that trail again, he went, oh, no, and he drank the whole mud puddle. And after that, he picked up his drinking, and I and I was electrolyting every two hours, and we beat the dehydration, and we continued on and made it into through the canyons and into Robinson or into Forest Hill, which, oh, you're so happy to see faces at that point. We rode the cutoffs all day long because I didn't want to run my horse through boulders. I hate running downhill, but that's really when you need to make your time up. So you find yourself running downhill, which kind of throws your balance off. So you're trying really hard to stay as balanced as you can on your horse because this animal has to last a hundred miles and any beating up you do in the morning is really going to affect them in the evening. I knew not to lope up hills and I knew to walk the switchbacks to keep his joints savvy and, and healthy and strong. And so we just, we trotted what we could and we walked the rest. I think I walked more of Tevis than people normally do. I walked the canyons in the dark because I was terrified we were going to fall off. But lucky for me, my horse has a pretty good walk. I think he walks at about five miles an hour and I don't let him dilly-dally. I know how fast he can walk and I ask him for that walk the whole time. And I mean, I really didn't know we were going to finish until we did. I almost ride her option twice because the time we had to get to the next check just seemed impossible. But every time we pulled it off, we just kept pulling it off. I couldn't believe it. And I, and I felt so bad because like when we made it to Forest Hill, we pulled it off. But I thought I was going to let my friends down at the next check because it just was that hard of a ride. When we finally hit the quarry at 3.45 in the morning, we had to be out by 4 o'clock in the morning. I was laying on the ground and the volunteers were kicking me (laughs) to get me back on my horse. And I mounted and they said, you have an hour and 15 minutes to do six miles on a, you know, tired, dark horse. So we fly down the trail, we hit the, there's like a gravel road outside the quarry and we hit that road at a hand gallop like we were riding the Pony Express. We flew down that road and that was what saved us actually because when we hit the end of that gravel road, we caught up with two riders that were in front of us. And all day my horse had pulsed down really fast because he, he, that's one of his skills And so whatever group we had rode in with, barely making time, 
we were able to leave with that group in front of us, always leaving the group we came in with. And it felt terrible because we had made good friends with them and we wanted them to finish also. You want all the people that you're with to finish. But I knew that if I waited for their horse to pulse down, I wasn't going to make it. So we we caught up with these two women and they looked determined. They looked like they knew what they were doing. So we just lined in behind them. And when they trotted, we trotted. And every time they stopped trotting, we said our prayers that we were still behind them <laughs> and that we finally were walking, even if it was only 30 seconds of walking. And away we went again at a trot. I had to remind myself to stay off of my horse's neck because I was using his neck for balance. Because when you trot down hills, it kind of throws your, your weight forward a bit. Um when we came up on that hill and we could see the lights of the stadium, I couldn't even believe that we had made it. It's immediate, like an emotional relief, an emotional high, and just amazing feeling when you've met. I think we had like six minutes to spare. So it really was, are we going to finish in time the whole time? I don't know who those two ladies were in front of me, but they pretty much got us to finish. I don't know if I could have trotted the six miles in the dark by myself. Maybe I could have. Maybe I couldn't have, but that's Tevis. It's the question, are you going to finish? Nobody knows. Like, people asked me, are you going to do it ahead of time? And I couldn't, I don't know, I'm going to try really hard. But during the ride, I said, don't try it, just do it. And I told other people that, too. Don't try it, just do it. And... And I had a lot of people give me a lot of good advice. And I and I repeated that through my head quite a bit. The vets and the volunteers were so encouraging. They all wanted us, every rider, to finish. And so they'd give you a big pat on the back and tell you how far you had to get and how much time you had to get there. And I remember one vet telling me, if you keep a steady trot, if you don't slow down, you're going to make it to the next check. And that was my whole ride. And nobody ever wants to ride check, uh, cutoffs. That's what they told me at the beginning. Don't ride the cutoffs. Get ahead of the cutoffs. You don't want to be stuck riding cutoffs. But let me tell you what, you can. You can absolutely ride the cutoffs and still finish. And we did. And it was an amazing, amazing feeling. It's four days later and I'm still checking myself and saying, did we do that? We finished? Like, it was so hard. It was from, we rode from five in the morning until five in the morning. And you spend that whole time just praying that you can make it. Because I wasn't willing to run my horse through boulders. And I wasn't willing to risk his legs through some of the rough stuff. It's quite technical, and you really have to take your time. It's a big combination of how much time do I have and how safe can I make this for my horse. You can't, it doesn't matter how fast you go if you hammer your horse's legs off in rocks, and it doesn't matter how careful you are if you're over time. So you really have to ride the ride to the best of your ability. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of fun to it, not knowing. There's a lot more challenge to not knowing. We got pretty used to doing 50s and knowing we were going to finish 50s. And I think that in endurance, when you know you're going to finish the mileage that you've set out to start, that's time to move up.
when you hit a 25 and you know damn well you're going to finish it, you move up to 50s. And that's where we were on 50s. We knew we were going to finish them. They weren't a big challenge for us anymore. So we moved up to the bigger challenge. And that was our goal to do Tevis. And I mean, on a 20 year old horse for his first time, that was his first hundred. I can't believe we pulled it off. It's an amazing feeling. We ordered our buckle. I cannot wait to wear that buckle around. Oh, it's going to just be awesome. Our future goals include lounging around and relaxing. Um, I might take him out for a couple more 50s next year to start up some youngsters, but I think that that is the epitome of awesome. I think that my particular horse at 20 years old is done his thing and um I don't see any reason to put him through that again that was probably the hardest thing that I would ever ask a horse to do and myself as well but so worth it so beautiful the views the mountains when you go back through the very few pictures that you took because you were either steering your horse or running like crazy every picture that you took is worth a million words because you just couldn't take that many pictures. There weren't very many times that I could pop my phone out and grab a picture. It was that intense of a ride. It is absolutely a challenge between you and your horse and the mountains and, and who's going to come out on top. And if you do it right, all three of you do. A beautiful time, a beautiful experience. I recommend it to anybody that thinks that they are up for the challenge and ready to go. Tevis was amazing. Tevis 2018, I'm sure people are tired of hearing me talk about already. It was a beautiful thing to experience with my animal and he got great uh, vet scores the whole time because we did in fact take our time and do it as, as slowly, as quickly, as slowly, as quickly as we could. If there's 10 feet of trotting, you trot it. If there's a spot where you can move out quick, you move out quick. I only got off my horse when there was no other choice because there were horses in front of us and I couldn't get around them. It really was a every minute counts ride. If you waste time or get off unnecessarily, you may not make it. You really have to move, move, move the whole time and at the best speed that you can. It was amazing. I recommend it for anyone. Good luck on your future endeavors. Hi there, my name is Sarah Rinney and I'm from Steener, Nebraska. I live on a farm with my husband and four kids and I'm the executive director for the North American Trail Ride Conference and I also help with our hay and cattle operation. I recently had the incredible opportunity to fulfill a lifelong dream of mine, a goal that I've had since I was about 10 years old when I read Sam Savitt's book, One Horse, 100 Miles, One Day. And ironically, my good friend Kim, who also crewed for me, gave me that book as a gift before the ride, which I thought was rather fortuitous. But uh, I competed on a horse named Silver Rally Tate. He's a nine-year-old Morgan owned by Dwight and Mary Hansen. And I might add that he's a gated Morgan, which makes him exceptionally special. I've been doing distance riding through NATRC 
for 30 years now, but my dream to ride Tevis is just something that has never faded. It was something I always wanted to do. And I had the opportunity to work a booth with Julie Sir at the Nebraska Horse Expo about 10 years ago. And I got to spend hours with her asking all kinds of questions about Tevis and boy, that set my Tevis fever raging. I already had it, but it was far worse after I talked to Julie. And what a gracious woman. She did, she did not get annoyed with all of my questions and she was just so helpful to me. And when we parted ways, she just said, I'll look forward to seeing you on the Tevis trail. And you know, she didn't even question it. She didn't say, I hope to see you on the Tevis trail. She said, I will look forward to seeing you on the Tevis trail. And I get chills still thinking about that because it became a reality this year for me. We'd planned to ride last year, but Tate was having some tendon issues. So we ended up crewing instead. And Mary and I learned so much. We crewed for John and Ann Stevens. And what an advantage that gave us this year coming in. We had so much more knowledge. It was just a valuable experience for both of us. We did take three days to travel from Nebraska to Auburn and arrived on Monday, which was nice. We had plenty of time to rest Tate and also do pre-rides. We did opt to wait to go to Roby. We went to Roby on Friday morning. And I am glad that we did make that choice because we got some more quiet time at the fairgrounds and uh, Tate you know, was able to relax a little bit better. And then we stayed out of the dust a little bit longer. So it was nice. It was a good choice. We did have a little bit of a scary, not scary, but a worrisome incident uh, the morning of the start because we ended up waiting in an area that we were sent down to it, but I don't know that we were to stay there. So we ended up at the very back of the pack leading Roby Park and that was a little bit disconcerting on your my first Tevis, knowing that I'm starting at the very back of the pack. But we made great time up into Squaw Valley and uh, everything was fine. But the high country was absolutely gorgeous. The wildflowers, I got to see a bear. It was just gorgeous country. The views were phenomenal. Even through the haze of the smoke, you could still just see the gorgeous mountain ranges and it was incredible. But, uh, you know, Cougar Rock. I waited for Cougar Rock forever. I've always wanted to to have that iconic photo and and get to see what it's all about. You know, there's a lot of talk about Cougar Rock. But I got there and kind of had that oh crap moment because here's the moment of reckoning. I finally have this opportunity. I watched Johnny go ahead of me and Ted had a little bit of a scramble, went down to his knees and I did think twice about making that climb. But then I thought, I'm at Tevis. I need to do Cougar Rock. And I looked at my horse who I've done thousand, you know, over a thousand competition miles on. He's always done very well and taking good care of me. And I just pointed him forward and I said, let's go get it, Tate. And boy, he just went right after it. No hesitation, no difficulty with footing, but you do definitely have to commit to it. Coming into Robinson Flat, that was an incredible experience. You just, you can't help but feel like a celebrity with all these people cheering and smiling and you know, it doesn't matter who they are, where they're from, where you're from, who you are, everybody's cheering. And it's just an incredible experience. And of course, it's the first time you get to see your smiling crew. And I was lucky enough to have some of my very best friends there crewing for me. And it was a nice rest and it was refreshing. And then back out we went. I have to say the canyons were probably the most daunting for me. Uh, I didn't know what to expect. I've had a lot of people say how tough they are, but until you're actually in them, you just really, you just don't know until you're, you're faced with them. Tate really struggled in there and I 
was concerned, I did get off and I tailed him out of um, most of the way up Devil's Thumb because he was struggling and got to the top and we took a lot more time to let him rest and cool. And I'm glad that we did. That was that was a good choice. And I, you know, it was the only time during the ride that I actually considered pulling and wondering if I was doing the right thing. And got to the Deadwood vet check and he looked fantastic. His Mets were great. And my the vet assured me he was looking good and not to worry about him. And it was the moment for me, it was just pivotal, but that was when I realized just how amazing these horses are and what they're capable of and how much they're willing to give us. It's just it's so overwhelming to think about that. Uh, coming into Forest Hill, that was a nice respite before kicking off our last 32 miles in the dark. Tate ate and drank well, I was able to shower, change clothes and eat some really amazing cold pizza. You'd think I was at a five-star restaurant because that pizza tasted so good. <laughs> it was amazing. But, you know, cruising through the dark, that was so surreal. It was just incredible. I learned very early in the ride to just let my horse do his job. You know, in the dark, I really just stayed out of his way, and I just I let him make the trail choices and speed choices. And, you know, we were a couple miles out of Forest Hill when a tree branch raked across my face and scratched my eye, and... So I'd come up on glow sticks and I was seeing double out of my right eye. I was, I was quite worried actually about my eye, but it's funny what goes through your brain when you're that far into Tevis. And I just remember making the conscious decision. I wasn't going to tell anybody about my eye. So I mean, I'm in Cal 2 and Francisco's and I didn't say anything for fear that they would pull me and say, no, you need to take care of your eye. You have to stop. And then have people ask, why'd you pull? And oh, because I tore up my eyeball. But, you know, after everything we'd already overcome, I wasn't about to let that get in the way. So I didn't say a word about it and just kept cruising. <laughs> but it, my eye's fine now. Uh, I crossed the American River in the dark. And let me tell you, that was probably, that was nothing short of a religious experience for me. I won't forget that feeling, the way the moonlight was on the water. And it was just so peaceful. I hope anybody that hasn't had that opportunity gets to sometime because it was just amazing. You know, I was probably most nervous out of all the vet checks. I was the most nervous about lower quarry just because, you know, you hear about a lot of people getting pulled at lower quarry and I didn't want to be a pull at 94 miles. I know it happens, but um, I sure didn't want that to happen to me. And unfortunately, you know, I had some friends I had made throughout the day on the trail that did not make it past there. And I was, I was very sad for those folks because you know, it's, it's a long way to come, but they still, it's amazing, you know, what you accomplish in 94 miles regardless. And I can't imagine being the veterinarians, you know, that have to end someone's Tevis ride six miles short of the finish. That's just got to be an absolutely difficult job for them. But Tate was feeling great and we were able to cruise, you know, through there and we didn't have time to, to burn. We had to get out of there and we did. We boogied and we uh, you know, once we hit No Hands Bridge, we knew we were going to be okay on time because we knew exactly where we were. The boys were full of energy, knowing that they were almost home. And, you know, climbing that last hill to the time finish was just powerful. And, you know, come, at five o'clock in the morning, you still have volunteers and your crew and people there cheering, um, you know, as if you're the first horse across the line. And that's just so amazing. But to be able to finish with my good friend Johnny I and mean, we crossed that time finish hand in hand and 
you know, our two boys side by side. And what, what a blessing to be able to not only start together, but to ride every mile together and finish together. It doesn't always work out that way. So I, it was just a, an amazing feeling. And then being taking that lap around McCann. And of course, you always have that final vet check looming in front of you. And, you know, there's always that finish line pull that you have to worry about too. But both of our boys were fit to continue. And, you know, we were blessed to join the ranks of those teams that have earned buckles before us. And I have people that just, that don't know our sport. They're not familiar. And they always ask, well, what do you win? What do you get out of this? And I told them, well, I get a buckle. And, you know, that's when they look at you like you're absolutely insane. Yeah, but anybody who's ridden it or has dreams to ride it, you know just how much that buckle means and what it represents and the work that goes into it. You know, it's really not about the buckle. Um, it's just that journey to get there. The buckle's just the, the piece that says you did it. But I have to thank the Hansons for, for giving me this opportunity and putting their faith in me to train and prepare Tate and just to, to get there and do this. And my crew, Dwight and Mary and Sherry uh, Paris and Helen Smith, Kim Cowart, uh, Amy and Maddie Martin, Sarah Anderson, Gail and Fran Munch and Gary Mary McCoy. These guys work so hard to take care of me and Tate and Ted and Johnny and keeping us on top of our game. And I can't thank the volunteers enough. It was just incredible, you know, from the help that they provided on the trail to just having a ready smile when you needed it the most. They did, they did so much for us. And just the other riders made so many new friends in the daylight and in the dark. And it's just such a, a neat community um, on the trail and the people there. But to finish is truly to win. And I am very blessed that I was able to have this opportunity. Hello, this is Karen Chatton, and this is my 2018 Tevis story. I decided after the deadline, actually, this year to enter after I did the Weaverville ride in Northern California, where it was around 100 degrees, and Bo, my Tevis horse, came through it in really great condition. My junior rode him at that ride, and so I decided let's go for it and I sent my entry in uh, past the deadline but that seems to work for me I've done that before entered late that way I'm not stressed by having to plan or think about it too far in advance and so off we went to Tevis it was going to be I was going for my eighth um, buckle and Bo was going for his sixth and um, some interesting backstory about Bo uh, he's 20 years old this year, but about four years ago, he had colic surgery, which was really kind of traumatic, and we weren't really sure how that was going to turn out as far as him coming back to endurance. At the time, he wasn't quite to 8,000 miles yet, and as it turned out, he kind of let me know by basically destroying my barn, tearing things up, rearranging everything, that he wanted his job back. So we put him back into endurance. He recovered extremely well from that surgery, and he's now completed a couple thousand more miles and um, done really extremely well. He hasn't had any more recurring colics or anything like that. And um, after this year, he's now finished three of his Tevises since going through the colic surgery. 
which um, it just shows, um, you know, how much this horse loves what he does. He loves going down the trail. So we headed off to Tevis on Friday. We had a visitor in camp, a great big bear. I don't know if it's a brown bear or a black bear or if it was a he or she, but the bear at first just kind of went through our camp. I got some video of it that I put on Facebook. Bo didn't seem too bothered at all. He just kept eating uh, extremely well, drinking really well. And then as it got time to go to bed, the bear started coming closer. It was getting within feet of the back of my horse trailer and we kept chasing it away all night long. So needless to say, I didn't get a lot of sleep. Bo, I think, probably didn't eat as well as he normally would have if it weren't for that darn bear. Uh, so we started the next morning. Everything was going good. Bo drank better than I think I've ever seen him drink on any ride. His gut sounds were kind of slow at Robinson's flat. Um, the vet passed him and said just you know come back if he's not eating or drinking well and of course he was so uh, it did affect our ride a little bit I did slow down a little bit off of my normal kind of pace and I made sure he was eating and drinking at all of the checks and that did pay off pretty well the ride went good for us um, didn't have any mishaps the trail was gorgeous. There was some new trail going into the Hodgkin's top by check that was really dusty. But um, overall, everything went pretty smoothly. All the vet checks we aced right through on. Um, there were a couple times where Bo had lower gut sounds and then I let him eat good and then they'd rebound again so that by the time we got towards the end of the ride, like to Forest Hill and then again at the finish, his gut sounds were really good and we had a beautiful ride um, through pretty much the whole thing. We passed one rattlesnake and the rider behind me yelled, what do I do? And I kind of shouted back, go around. <laughs> but not like you have a choice. Luckily, uh, by the time it coiled up and started rattling, we kind of just moved over and went around and kept on going on our way. Uh, so other than that, that kind of gets your heart pounding a little bit. Everything was great. Um, I had practiced in the previous couple of weeks with my junior going out and riding and trotting in the dark at night. And of course, that was a lot of fun to get to do. And that helped improve my confidence because I'm not a real strong rider on narrow cliffy kind of trails in the dark. Uh, so it uh, kind of refreshed our memory mine and Bo's with you know how to do this because we hadn't really ridden in the dark since the last Tevis in 2016 so uh, we made it into the finish uh, Bo he's very strong he knows the trail and he was having a really good day we came in we managed to finish in 25th place and uh, you know like I said we had a really really fun ride lots the volunteers I've got to give them credit they were awesome all the way through the whole ride they're there jumping in helping you out asking what you need uh, some of them are just great you know they automatically kind of know what you're gonna want depending on you know which section of trail you're on that was great my crew was fantastic um, I had a couple of juniors helping me out and her uh, my junior Kaylee's grandmother Debbie was helping. She also crewed for um, Mark Montgomery's two horses and they were really excited when uh, the one 
Mark's one Mustang ridden by Michaela got the Hagen Cup. So they were very, very thrilled. And um, so that was basically our Tevis. We had a had another good year and um, I had a tough time, you know, with the decision to actually go because I get a little nervous now that Bo is older and that he's 20 years old. But as it turned out, he was like, I got this, Mom. We can do this. And, um, you know, when we get out there on the trail and I get a little anxious because I'm afraid of the heights and stuff, I just tell myself I can be brave. I'm on a horse that I can trust. And uh, we got each other through it and had a really, really great ride and now my junior one of her favorite characters is tin k from z nation and now uh, her new nickname for Bo is tin k so when i sent her a message i said you want to come over and ride tin k and she did so uh we're um we're enjoying getting to do the, to, to do the tevis and looking forward to maybe doing it one more time so that's my story thanks bye Hi, my name is Tennessee Lane. I'm from Levita, Colorado. This year I took seventh place at Tevis and had a pretty interesting ride. I took my horse Bluff. His real name is, uh, what is it? TM Burning Bridges. He is a Burning Sands son. Um, he's just a really, really cool horse. He's my main man and uh, just has a lot of personality. He's He's the biggest little horse I've ever had. He's just a complete beefcake. Um, really not that big. He looks bigger than he is. He's about 14'3". And um, just extremely compact and very talented on technical mountain trails. and Very powerful. Um, we went to Tevis with every intention of, you know, we were in it to win it, basically. And you know, the, thro the trail threw a lot of stuff at us that day, but... Um, I'll just start at the beginning. We actually led the controlled start out of for pin one out to the starting line where they held us for about a minute. And when they let us go, people just took off from behind Kristoff and I like like it was a track race. It was just insane. The I swear the start of that ride gets faster and faster every year. It's really it's really crazy. It's a bunch of really fit horses that all think that they should be in front, and it's really hard to keep keep their minds under wrap until until people get spread out anyways um I was really bummed at the start my horse was really on fire and uh being difficult for me to rate you know galloping sideways through boulders half the time uh we ended up moving towards the front just to just to stay alive and stay under control and cruising up cruising up squaw to the top with Lindsay I think it was just the two of us for quite a while up front um and he was just he was really being a knucklehead I was I wasn't very happy with with how nuts he was being um but he just he thought he he thought he should be in front that's for sure um so eventually we just had to get in front just to survive and uh like I said we we biffed it quite a bit in rocks just where he was just galloping out of control and not out of control but you know how it is. It's, ugh, the starts of these rides are just crazy. Um, I did not go up Cougar Rock with him. <laughs> it, it was that bad. I can't believe I didn't do Cougar with him. But we went around it, and it was actually my first time doing the doing the little bypass. And we smashed into the boulder on the bypass as well. So we might as well have done Cougar Rock. I, whatever. Anyway, I was doing the best I could. Um, when we came into the first vet check. 
I think it's called Lion's Ridge, I think, or Red Star. Um, there, was a, there was a bunch of us together, but uh, Bluff and I were in front, and I got off, and um, I was sure that his metabolics would just be nuts, but I jumped off, and he went straight to eating and drinking, and he had actually drank on trail, um, which didn't make sense to me, but I was very happy that he was already drinking. He was at least thinking, that part of his brain was at least thinking. Anyway, he went straight to eating and drinking. He pooped and peed. I ran off to the bathroom to pee, and when I got back, he was the the people had already taken his pulse, and they said he was in the fifties. So, I was I was surprised, and I looked over at um, Lindsay. She had her saddle off and was throwing water on her horse, so she obviously wasn't pulsed down yet. And I was like, "All right, sweet." And I took my horse, who was still totally saddled and everything, straight to the vet, where he got straight A's. And we cruised out of there in first. So at that stage, things were much better. Um, He was a lot easier to deal with. And we pretty much cantered from there all the way to Robinson. And um, I hate showing up in the front of the pack at Robinson, but it's just, you know, it's just how it worked out this year. Uh, We actually had a really great ride from from the time that I vetted out of that first vet check in front um, all the way to about halfway up the second canyon, and everything went great. Bluff felt felt amazing. The weather was fine, but halfway through that second canyon, it was so dang hot that there was just no way, no way for a Colorado pair to compete. It was, uh, I, I thought it was 118 degrees. Somebody else told me that at the bottom of the canyon, it was 125. I, I, I just know it felt like the surface of the sun, and you know, Bluff and I can do mountains all day long, but I, I mean, it it would be hard to beat Bluff on a mountain. It's just, we, we're we not used to the heat. We're from Colorado. We live at over 7,000 feet and train up to 9,000 feet and above actually, but, but we do not have heat. So that's, that's our weakness. And I had to make the very painful decision to pull him back, rein him in, and just accept the fact that it was not going to be our year because the heat was just kicking our butts. Um, so I reined it in. Lindsay and a couple of other people, I think there was like five people, um, the Blakeleys and a couple of other people passed us. And um, we just we just took it easy. We, I mean, we had nothing to prove at that point. I just wanted to bring my horse in healthy. And he he was suffering from the heat, and he did not want to let the front go. I... Uh, I could not get him to stop cantering in place going up that hill. So I, I got off and electrolyted him and cooled him and just hiked every all the hills from there. And that way he had to stay behind me at a walk and conserve his energy and, and not get overheated. Um, so that was, that was really hard on us mentally. Um, my crew got us through Michigan Bluff and Chicken Hawk. Um, I guess they call that Piper Junction now. And we rolled into Forest Hill and... Um, you know, they kind of pepped us back up. They're like, you can still do, you know, it's, it's going to cool down. You can, you can still do this. Bluff still looked great. Um, he was strong. And so, you know, we were rejuvenated from that stop and we went out, you know, pretty, pretty fast out of Forest Hill with Jeremy Reynolds. We cantered, cantered through town and hit the trail and he started to, um, Bluff, while he he was strong, he just didn't feel right all of a sudden. It was during all that downhill that I started to think he might be getting sore from all the downhill trotting. There's just so much downhill at the end of that 
race, um, he was powering up hills and just very strong and forward mentally, but on the downhill, it just didn't feel right. And it just kept, you know, it started off as like, I was like, is it front left? Is it back right? Like, I can't figure out what's going on. And I finally, you know, just before, what is it? Francisco's, I was riding with a lady. I can't remember. Anyways, just before Francisco's, I, I just got off and started walking. I was like, something's going on. I can't figure it out. And uh, we vetted at Francisco's, and they, they all saw something too. But, you know, Bluff was eating and drinking and taking great care of himself. He was straight A's other than that. And we just couldn't quite figure out what was going on with his gait um, or where it was, was concentrated. It was just funky. That's the best I could describe it. But we all agreed that he was hot. He and I were both hot. And so um, I hung out there for quite a while and just let him eat and drink. And they trotted me out again, and I was sure I was getting pulled. Um, and, I mean, I was ready to pull him and just, you know, hike out of there. And they were like, no, just just work him through it, you know, see what happens. And and um, I just, at that stage, was on in survival mode. You know, like, this, this horse is my best friend. I'm not going to mess him up so we really slowed down at that stage and um we dug deep and just took our time I walked everything that wasn't you know that wasn't flat he anything that was downhill or uphill I was on foot um and then we just kind of did a podunk trot on on everything that we could uh Barak Blakely passed us very politely in the setting sunlight and then I was really surprised that nobody else passed us. I was like, where is everybody? Um, the heat must have really taken its toll on everyone. Um, nobody was passing us. And then it was pitch black when Jeremy Reynolds passed us. And um, we actually hung out, paired up for a while. And I think our, both of our horses were happy to have company for a short stretch. And we were just kind of talking and joking around in the darkness. And then he took off again. And I, I kept, I reined Bluff back and let him go. And I saw him again shortly after at the quarry, where unfortunately he was getting pulled. I can't remember what he got pulled for, but um, we we kind of had a chuckle about it, and I vetted through and just kept going. I, I actually walked out of the quarry on foot um, just, just with a flake of alfalfa under my arm, and he just was eating alfalfa as I walked, and we just walked out of there. And we, like I said, we just did a survival mode trot and took it easy all the way to the finish line never saw another horse um somehow we came in seventh and and I you know when I got to the finish I was like I I've got nothing to prove there's not going to be any show so my my victory lap which was I was bummed to hear that I had to do it um my victory lap was more of a submission lap I was calling it um I didn't even get on him I had been on foot forever anyway so I just let him slowly (laughs) around the arena under the floodlights um almost a walk of shame but I mean I'm proud I'm very proud that we that we made it and um it's it's obviously not where I had hoped to be but with the heat and his funky gait so it turned out I, I found out later um in the next 10 or 12 hours later that he had gotten really funky on all four legs because he broke out with a horrible case of scratches. Like, I've never seen such a severe, acute case of scratches. It just came on. He was completely, his skin was healthy. I was doing preventative measures, and he's not even that prone to scratches. He's gotten them, like, once before. 
Um, so I really wasn't worried about it. But even as we look at pictures of us crewing at like Forest Hill and stuff, you could see his ankles were bright pink. And so they must have already been inflamed. And then throughout the day, it just got worse and worse. And I didn't even know. But um, he, his skin was splitting and sloughing off by the next morning. Um, you know, we took off his his wraps for, for the award ceremony. And it was like, Oh my God, I, I felt horrible. Um, his skin, he, oh, it was a wreck. And so, you know, case solved, mystery solved. Um, that's, that was what was wrong with him. All four, that's why we couldn't tell where it was either. And I thought it was downhill soreness, but he was just, oh man, he had the worst case of scratches. Um, anyway, so once we were done with the drug testing and everything, um, I was able to get some steroids on his legs and that really, really helped him. He was much more comfortable and get some anti-inflammatories in there and, and he was sound and happy after that. Um, and it took me about a week of scrubbing and doctoring it to really get that under control. And, you know, by then we were home and, and he's totally normal again. So, you know, just about anything can happen and it's just a matter of working through it, um, I can't believe we still came in seventh after pretty much being on foot for the last 20 miles and just kind of doing a pleasure cruise. Um, but we had a great time. I love that horse just to bits and pieces. He's so special to me. And uh, I learned a lot. I always learn when I go to Tevis, and and I'm really looking forward to next year. We are signed up. And we're back. I hope you enjoyed episode nine. Some fantastic stories. They are. And we had so many files that we're going to have to make two episodes on the Tevis. What a shame, huh? Yeah. So I have to. Well, it's an extra long ride, so I could have done an extra long episode, but we'll that, just break it in half. That's very true. It is a, uh, the ride of rides. So, I'm so glad that you went camping with me this month up at the Brabuster ride, the Louise Rydell Memorial ride up in Arkdale, Wisconsin. It's one of my favorite places to go. Had a lot of fun camping and crewing for you. I love it when we put the lights up around the camper and the kids, this is like the first year they were able to put the tents up all themselves. So that was like joy of joys. They didn't. We, we kind of helped them, but it was dark. That's why we helped them. Yep. We got to see some shooting stars from the uh, the comet or whatever that was going through at the time. Yeah, that was like the Mercia meteor shower, and I swear that's the second time we've been camping there when that went through. I'd have to check that. I'd have to Google that. Google. Google. So um, we took Junior with us. He's our um, unusual endurance horse. He's 17 two-hands of beautiful he's a saddlebred belgian mix and he's a very unusual horse but um he's done 250s but he's been off for he's done mostly lds he's been off for uh two years of a injury where he thought he was the kool-aid man and went through the side of the lean-to and got some puncture wounds and a weird infection and long story short we our point was to turtle and go real slow and so we went real slow. You did fantastic. You look good on him. Thanks. He um, we had some uh, epic um, sized 
horse flies that thought he looked just perfect for them. And uh, when we went to vet out, uh, vet it in, he uh, had this thing right where you couldn't reach it and it must have dug in because he was he had a bucking fit. I don't know what people thought from a distance because 17 chew hands bucking straight up in the air. That must have been a sight to see. Oh, I was standing right behind him, and yeah, his butt went quite a ways up, and I was just like, I would not want to be on the end of that. Yeah, that was that was quite interesting. But we finally did. You know, it's been since 2016 since I got out on the trails, and it felt amazing to do so. So I'm so glad you did go with me because we're supposed to go back in October for the Iron Oak ride, which is my favorite ride. Um, and I thought you were going to be camping with me. But you're not. Yeah, I wish I'll be there with you in spirit, but uh, yeah, I got a phone call and I'm going to be going to Washington, D.C. on that weekend as part of the uh, Stars and Stripes Honor Flight. Take that turn there to see his memorial. Pretty proud. Yeah, so I know you've been wanting to go on the Honor Flight, so I'm glad you got to go, but I'm going to miss you. Yeah, I signed up for it way back in like April and they told me it was going to be fall, but uh, all of a sudden I got the phone call out of the blue and uh, off I go in October. Yeah, I've been thinking about the logistics of that. I'd love to talk about it, but like you'll be, it's like a one day thing, right? We yeah, we leave out uh, like 4 a.m. Saturday morning and then come back at like 10 p.m. Saturday night. So. And we'll be up north. And I'll be sleeping all day Sunday. And so I wish that, like, I'm kind of torn. Like, I want to be there when you come back, you know. Uh, yeah, I don't know how we'll work that out, but we'll yeah. figure it out. We have to think about it. All right, guys. So you're going to hear the outro of the Endurance Horse Podcast. Um, and maybe a little music. Someone, uh, there's a equine musician I would say most of her songs are about farms life and horses and she gave me permission to use her music so I'm going to play a bit of one of her songs and if you if you stick around we're going to be a little bit like the Marvel movies then I will give my account of my ride um, that I had up at Arkdale keep sending those files in I love them I'm learning so much uh, different terminology for everything I'm going to start calling our horse trailer a float here pretty soon <laughs> all right guys have a great season bye. bye we enjoyed having you along for the ride endurance horse podcast is where you get to share your adventures of riding good horses through beautiful country Many stresses in life are washed away by a good gallop, a steady trot, or by simply saddling up your favourite horse for an easy ride. Remember, every mile a memory. To share your story on Endurance Horse Podcast, send an email to endurancehorsepodcast at gmail.com. That I ever said Visions of galloping in my head Mains flow
that I was born to ride I was born to ride Like a bird was born to fly Fish gotta swim, sun's gotta shine Love me Love my horse Cause that's the way I'm gonna spend my life Cause I was born to ride
and um, and it was really it was Mariah's first one that she got completely through. Yes, when I when I had set the goal earlier earlier in the year of getting Mariah to three LDs this year, apparently I forgot to tell her that we were supposed to complete three LDs because the first two we went to we did not complete. One was a writer option poll at the halfway, and the other one was a lameness poll just a few weeks before we went to Louise Rydell. Um, so going up there, I had some butterflies in my stomach, not having a lot of confidence we would get through it. But Chris talked me into going, and uh, with her, I'd like to say by my side, but it was more like I was following Junior's giant butt. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and he... Uh, led the way like a champion and made all things great and perfect and awesome for my scared little mare. And uh, it was pretty awesome to be able to complete that and and do that together with you guys. I think it was great to take the kids camping too. I'm just going to throw that in there. Oh, yeah. They had fun with fingernail polish and making bracelets and doing all kinds of fun stuff. and. Yes, my daughter Bailey, and you'll hear from her again at some point. And that was her first experience camping at an endurance ride. And though she didn't have her own horse and get to ride, she's taking it all in. And she made herself quite at home and mm -hmm. uh, made the rounds <laughs> with the other juniors and invaded other campsites and uh, <laughs> had had quite the quite the. Uh, Quite the weekend, and actually, when I said it was time to load the horses and go, she uh, begged to stay longer. Um, so that's always a good sign. <laughs> I love that the the little gypsies, you know, like you said, they go campsite to campsite. And, and okay, so we have to mention this, Tara. I'm sorry, Amber Erickson, but at the awards dinner, we kind of had a dance <laughs> going on. <laughs> was it Logan? Yes. Logan, you know, after everybody got their food and everything, he went up to the bench by all all the buffet food up there, and he starts dancing. And how old is Logan? Is he? I don't know, but um, I know he's old enough to make us all giggle. Um, yeah. <laughs> is he like? He must be like almost four, maybe. Amber will have to tell us. But anyways, he was up there jamming, and he lost his drawers. <laughs> so. That was just kind of hysterical, and Mike had to go after and get him, and, of course, he pulled up his pants and took off running. So, I mean, we – oh, and then there was a baby goat that apparently came from Tevis, and they named her Tevis. And oh, so, yes. So we had a goat and kids show. So I guess it was a kid and kids show or something. Yeah, a kid and kids show, yes. And the kids had fun playing with the kid and feeding the kid and, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it was really fun. And that ride, um, Mana always makes sure that she does the games. And um, Jim and I went and had quiet time while you guys all did the games. And um, our son, Josh, came up and volunteered. And, and his team with the vets won. They did really well. And my team um, sucked very badly. I think we even got beat <laughs> by the kids. Um, and, <laughs> and, and I think I really – uh, embarrassed myself because I couldn't even blow up a stupid balloon because I was giggling so hard. Really a fun ride to go to. Um, I just wanted to mention because because it is kind of part of the story. I thought you kind of left without me. I always wait a few minutes, um, like we were talking earlier today, because Junior, number one, I wanted to ride in the back. I just wanted to finish. And if he gets caught up with everybody tearing off out of there, then 
um, you will see his belly button because <laughs> he's 17 too. And if he rears up, you're going to yeah see parts of him you've never seen before. You know, I kind of was like looking around. I didn't see you. I thought you left without me. I was asking the timer and everybody if you went out. And I thought, oh, well. So I headed down and Tara's campsite was on the way out of camp onto the trail. And uh, she she told me how she named you told me how you named your horse. The the short story about the naming? Or yeah. the short story of why we tried to leave without you? No, the short story about the naming of Mariah, because I, I've got to say how I said hello to you before I picked you up. I had bred Mariah with the uh, the hopes and dreams of her becoming my Tevis horse. I had just BC'd in a 75-mile endurance ride uh, the year before she was born, so I was fairly confident at that point that I had what it takes to learn to do 100 miles, and I was going to breed this awesome horse and finally ride a horse that actually had Arabian blood in it for the first time. But I was riding, driving to an endurance ride, thinking of names to name my beautiful new baby horse. And uh, the song, They Call the Wind Mariah, came on in the radio, and I knew right then that was perfect because that was one of my mom's songs. And she had named all of her horses um, after the wind, the restless wind and the wayward wind. And the wind kind of had special meaning in our family and for our family's horses. And my mom being gone for almost 25 years now, it was even back then it was fitting that uh, my my dream horse be, be named Mariah. It was just the wind had to be running through her ears and through my hair and through her mane. And, mm-hmm. and we were going to be be doing that together at some point I just didn't realize it was going to take us 14 years (laughs) I wanted Tara to tell her story of how she named her horse Mariah because I was here we are at the start of this ride and I'm ambling back you know like okay I guess I'm starting alone and then I look up the hill from her campsite and Mariah was not being nice I won't say what she was doing unless you want to say what she was doing but she was in reverse we'll just say that much and, um, okay, I'm going to say it. She was rearing up a little bit. <laughs> she was having a moment. Mariah moment was having a moment. And she was backing up the hill. And I could see Tara, like, oh, man, you know, not a, not a smile. It wasn't a smile. No, so, as we call it, it was the old face, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And so I was trying to cheer you up. And I don't know if you heard me because I knew you were upset. But I came up on my my big John Wayne-style horse, and I – tried to sing out your song to you and say, you know, they call the wind Mariah and try to get you to smile. Junior went up and he whispered something to Mariah. I'm not sure what he said to her. I think it was like, come on, little lady, I got this. And she went, okay, I know you. And she just, that was it. And she just went with Junior. Yes, that was um, the biggest rescue of the day. Chris and Junior, my like superhero extraordinaires. Because uh, prior to, you didn't even see, like, all the bad stuff. The reason we tried to leave <laughs> was because she, I think, uh, had a goal in mind of single-handedly taking out the entire vetting area and anyone standing in the way by doing it in reverse at a high rate of speed. And and uh, through the cheers of, you're going the wrong direction, I tried oh, yeah, to move upwards of the trail um, mm-hmm. and waiting for everyone to go past me so they didn't run me over when I came off. <laughs> And I knew sooner or later you and Junior would catch up to me because I didn't think I was going to go forward very fast. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, we just kind of waited out of the way for my big, strong, 
Dudley Manhorse to come rescue my little princess who was scared. And uh, from the moment he blew into her nostrils, like I said, I don't know what he said to her, but it was it was incredible because she just took a big sigh and completely relaxed. And from there, the next 25 miles was absolutely incredible. <laughs> I remember getting a, a, a water out and turning around and cheering with you, like, cheers, we made 20 miles, <laughs> you know, like, yay. So I, I thought that was was really fun because um, she had not been that far, and she was just trucking along, and um, we had came to a water stop, and somebody had stolen the main water, so that was not fun. No, and it was the first time ever in poor Mariah's life that she actually decided she really wanted a drink, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and there was no water to be had. Um, So as a rider, I'm sure you can all relate that that's a terrible feeling when your horse wants and needs a drink of water, and there is none where they're supposed to be. Um, But on the plus side, that did make her drink really, really, really well when we got to the next water. So mm-hmm. that was um, a really big step forward for her. <laughs> um, and so I had thought we went past that other uh, water on the way back. wasn't that far, really. It wasn't even like two miles, I don't think, or so. And boy, she went up to her eyeballs in that water, and she drank good. So after that, I just loved watching you two. Of course, I have the bird's eye view on Junior, but um, just – you both changed. I know I told you earlier that I just saw, like, she leveled up in her face. Like, she just went, oh, and she kind of turned into a big girl, you know, and you just relaxed because we got to that long, straight logging road, and she wanted to canter, and she just went into the nicest canter down that logging road. Yeah, and I it, think that that stretch was, out of all the rides that I've done, in the past and all the cool places I've ridden out west in Montana and in Washington, Oregon and everywhere. And that that stretch of, of road with us cantering side by each at, I don't know, what was that, like mile 23 at that point? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And my horse never gone that far because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> we've only made it halfway through our first two LDs. Um, so that was the longest she'd ever been ridden at that point and to have enough gas in the tank and to be quiet and eager and ears forward and relaxed and enjoying it and to be side by side with the gentle giant Mm -hmm. (laughs) pushing her through it and to be able to share that first completion with my very best friend finally Mm -hmm. after three years of riding together training and hoping to to get this done so it was a it was a really special moment, and uh, that's, that's something that, you know, I think about all the people that rode that same 25 miles that day, and every single person, that 25 miles meant something different, mm-hmm. um, and every person would have a different story of what happened to them on their ride there, and maybe for some, that was their worst ride ever, maybe some, it was their first, and for me, it was the first in a really long time and one of the mm-hmm. best ever for so many reasons. Um, so it was really special. There, there's so many things that you can get out of the trails and really the memories that you do make every mile, <laughs> every mm-hmm. mile. I don't know if you want to share what happened at the last half mile 
or do you want to save that if you're going to re-record um, something different? Did you want to, when we knew that the finish line was right there? When I got, see, you're giving me goosebumps right now. Mm -hmm. I'm going to save that. Okay. I'll save that. A little okay. teaser. Okay. You can save that. It was, it was pretty awesome, though. Yeah. So, so we're going to see, um, Tara's doing this as a little bit of a test for me, uh, see if this records well. And so, Tara, thank you. Hopefully we have more stories to tell next year. We're getting towards the end of the ride season this year. Hopefully things go better next year. <laughs> we could start our season sooner. That would be incredible. Um, <laughs> I'm hopefully optimistic that uh, next year will include many more endurance rides and hopefully I'll get my daughter out there too. Bailey and her pony Odie, I'm not sure which one provides the greater entertainment value, but it's definitely not going to be a boring ride. So um, be prepared, people. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have a good night, Tara. Thank you for being such a good sport and thanks for a great memory. All right. Thank you. And thank you for putting together this wonderful podcast. It's really neat to to share stories and hear from from everyone all over the world, and then even better when you run into them at at the rides, because um, you feel like you kind of already know them before you get to shake their hand or give them a hug. So um, that's pretty special. Right. So. We ran in, we ran into speaking of that we ran into Lori right with her daughter, and she she was on a previous podcast with her her paint talking about her paint horse that they called Oopsa. Yes, I remember them. They passed us on the on the wide open trail there. Yeah, and Boots, of course, Boots is out there with partner. So yes, yeah, and at the Erickson. So yes, I I love that it's uh, becoming a community online and on the air, and that people are making connections. That was the whole point of it. So I'm really glad it's happening. It is, and it's very cool, and especially for someone like me that is trying to get back into it after so many years away and starting over in a whole new region and state and new horses and new people. Um, so the podcast has been really kind of fun that way too because then I don't feel like a total stranger when uh, I get to ride camp. Okay, so with that, I will say my goodbyes and thank yous and look forward to uh, hopefully uh, seeing a bunch more of you on the trail and not in reverse. And, you know, We've got to get out this week or this weekend. So I'll call you later. Alrighty. Goodbye. Bye. Oh!